once we start, we need to keep the momentum because I, f- I feel like finishing is just as strong. Like when we have that destination, we need to get there. Like we yeah. really do. It's very important to see what we've worked for. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to the ultimate shift. Today, have we have the one and the only Cisco Carter. Ooh, so, ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, Cisco, you've been on when we did um, that the one show with. AJ and Derek Billups. Yes. We were and, talking about racial integration and everything and yeah. Black Lives Matter, the movement, where yeah. we are. COVID's been crazy. Yeah, it has. So for the listeners, this show um, would not be what it is today without Cisco. So Cisco runs the social media pages. Um, he lines up a lot of our guests because he's practically practically the mayor of Nashville, just like that. Your phone's going off like a minute into this thing. And uh, so, uh, you know, shout out to Cisco because this show would not be, 100% would not be what it is without uh, you involved in it. And you do that voluntarily, by the way, which means the world to me. So can you just tell everyone, like, let's start with your story, like where you grew up and then what you're all doing now because I can never even keep up with what all you're doing. So yeah, it's a, it's a wild world out there, but yeah, thank you. Um, honestly with the podcast, I reached out to you because I just believed in it. I believed in you. I believed in the guest, and I was like, man, if I can have any thing to do on my free time, I feel like I'm so connected with so many people. Like it's a blessing to me to be surrounded by these people, but I also was like, they have a cool story. They've, went from nothing to something. Some of them have always had something, but they live for more than what money can buy them. And I I just like keep having these stories come up and these people come in my life. And I'm like, I want to share their story too. But at the same time, my interview skills are a little different from yours. So I like to pass them off to you. But no, it's uh, it's been a good year for me. It's been a reset. My um, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. And Moved shortly from Middle Tennessee here to Nashville. I felt like it was just cheaper to move to Nashville than from Knoxville. Knoxville. Yeah, from Murfreesboro. Yeah, it was it was okay. just cheaper, as in a U-Haul cheaper. Oh, got gotcha, you. Gotcha. Not living by any okay, means. Okay. I was I was coming out of college. I was like hot, you know. I was like, oh, we're moving to the big city. We're moving to Nashville. <laughs> I've been coming here like once a week ever for probably the first four years I was in college. I was trying to make it here all the time. If there's someone wanted to go eat, I'd be like, let's go to Nashville. They're like, let's drive 10 minutes instead of 45 minutes just to have a meal. But it, it led me here. I started developing relationships and I felt like if there's some place I wanted to be, it wasn't just because of their scenery. I wanted to be where I can be involved in people's lives and I wanted to be able to go home as well. My family lives two and a half hours away. And my dad at that time lived in Denver. And that's a two-hour plane ride and pretty cheap flight out of Nashville. So it's, it's been really fortunate for me to stay here. But that's where I'm at um, and started trying to make a living. Put my hand in a lot of different pots, seeing what worked. I stirred too many, but uh, <laughs> I, 
I just found like somewhat of a passion of a job and something I was good at. I always heard my networking skills were good because I left people with a smile. And when I was little, I remember like fourth grade, I, I wrote down, my mom still has it, but I wrote down, I wanted to, everyone to smile. That was like my goal wow. for the day. And so every day at school, I'll try to make someone smile or laugh. And then my teacher would be like, you don't know when to stop smiling. And I was like, exactly. Like, that's what we were taught. We were taught to like be elegant with our smile. And that's, that's basically saying like, if you're at a table, you're eating neatly and nicely Mm -hmm. and you can present yourself the same way. So it's like smiling. It's kind of my thing. I love it. When, when, When you moved to Nashville, you probably, you didn't know a soul here. I, I started to know a lot more people when I actually moved here. And I didn't know the places. Like, I thought I knew because I would go to Whiskey Jam every once in a while. And mm-hmm. my friends were the same friends I went to college with. With Isn't always the best when you're coming out of college because they're either still in college or they're in the same transition period as you. You right. can grow a lot faster when you're hanging out with people who have been there, done that, or who want you to be there and do that. So my, my peer, my leadership, it all changed. When I moved here, I started realizing like, Hey, there's not a big difference from 23 to 27 age wise. You, you just like, Oh, it's three years, but it's three years of experience. Yeah. And I'm talking to people who are in sales and I'm like, your speech is way different than mine. Like we might both be at the same bar but what we've done that week leading up was just different. Mm-hmm. And I was working for Verizon Wireless um, retail. I sold some phones. The iPhone dropped like the first two weeks I worked. Really? And oh my gosh, unmatched. Like I didn't have to do anything. I was, everyone like a line at the door. I picked up everyone's shifts. Like I was like, I'm here the whole month. I'm going to be here because everyone wanted an iPhone. This is the newest one every year. So I did my first year, um, I only worked there three months, but my first two weeks, I was just like, okay, I got the bearings. My second two weeks, iPhone drops, LG dropped a phone, the second one. And I was like, wow, I don't have to do anything except like type in people's phone numbers and also their name. That's it. And I knew I was selling them whatever iPhone we had because they only come there for an iPhone or if their phone breaks. Which, guess what? If they're breaking their phone, they're probably getting a new iPhone. And then occasionally we would have other people, which LG had actually the best phone that year. So if they were an Android platform. So I was just slinging phones and I made a lot of money in three months, but I had to get out of there. And this the reason I got fired and I put in like a month notice that I was going to a music festival. <laughs> this this is like uh, the biggest foreshadow of my life. I put in a month notice to go to a music festival that I probably shouldn't have been going because it was like five days. But I was like with my friends, we bought our plane ticket, we bought our um, hotel. So I'm in like, and then it got denied like the week before because two people got really sick. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, like. This I'm is out. on this is on Verizon. <laughs> it's not on me. Like I'm I'm not coming in. Yeah. So sure enough, I didn't want to be fired, but I knew I should have. Or they probably gave me a warning. But I was in the airport writing an email to my boss and like the advisor above him, and I was thanking them for my time and <laughs> giving my two week. And I was like, this will actually be a four day. I'm sorry. And like I felt like this was the step of like learning what not to do. Mm-hmm. Like this was the least professional thing I've done in my three months 
of being a real professional. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I wrote that and I went. So music has always been like a factor in my life. Like I I was that kid who stayed up and like uploaded all the songs to people's iPods. Like I remember getting to sleep like in I think fifth grade, I'd stay up and download music. I didn't even know the music at the time. It was pretty much Eminem. Like I loved him. Like he was the real Slim's lady. So I'd download all these songs. I would always listen to music. Like people would turn on TVs. I would turn on music. I always wanted like something playing when I went to sleep. Like there's melodies. When I woke up, there's like feel good music. When I was getting ready for games, um, which this is like a really weird thing, but I would have to be, I would be so amped up. I would listen to like Sarah Bareilles and like really slow, peaceful women. It's quite different than Eminem. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had to because my heart would be like, I'm just anticipating, I'm visioning everything I'm about to do on a field, whether it was soccer, football, or running track. I had to calm down and it started with music. And I realized like at an early age, how music could impact someone because there's times where they're down, they need music to cheer them up. There's some times where they're down, they need someone to like empathize with them. And then there's music that people are going through and they're emotionally like invested in the song and they're like, Hey, this got me through. And those people, they write it for a reason. And these people listen to it for the same reason. So music's always been a big thing in my life. Now, that festival should have, like, it it shifted my whole... I knew I was at peace once I left for there. Once we got there, I knew I made the right decision. This was something that I've done with some of my best friends. I I think if you're my best friend, I force you to come to a music festival. <laughs> but it's, You can it's, never replace those memories. You can't. You really can't. And I knew... At the end of that, I was like, if there's a way, like, I understand, like, music can be a passion for a lot of people. But I was like, if there's a way I can break into that scene, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it when I have peace with it. Because I don't feel like your job has to be your passion. And I know, like, some other guests have talked about that as well. But if you can continue having something to work for, such as a passion, I think it makes waking up in the morning 10 times easier. Well, that, okay, so that, I mean, you're, you're, it's funny, you're talking about music festivals, and now you work with Adam Lynn and Breakthrough. Right? Yeah, Breakaway, yes. Or Breakaway, and then, so you're working with Breakaway, you are uh, a model at the block agency, you, um, you're a DJ, one of, one of, you're literally one of the, the fastest growing DJs in Nashville right now, yeah. I think, from what I hear. Yeah. And you teach uh, cycle classes, so when you talk about passion, is there any one of these things that really stands out that really like when you're in that role that like you really feel fulfilled or is it, is it all of them? You see, I, I guess I'm saying that to say you seem to be the guy that lives life the way you want, meaning you find the things you want to do and, and it doesn't matter if it's 10 different things, but you, you just love life all the way through. But um, is there one or the other that kind of, that gives you that feeling of like, I'm home. Yeah, I would honestly say if you've ever traveled for a significant time and then come home to your own bed and you're like, this is the best feeling in the world. All you do is want to sit there and take it in and just you're just thankful. You're at peace. You're relaxed. Now, the more chaotic something is, is probably the time where I'm thriving. It sounds crazy, but yeah, we put we put a lot of time 
into things. And this is our trip. Like when we're gone, we're putting a lot of time into the operations, making sure we're doing checks and balancing, even in spin class. I mean, I'm the spin on the bike is the easiest part. We put together playlists, we put together intervals, we put together all these different things for the rider can get a great workout, but it's a lot of the stuff we're doing behind closed doors. Like they see the final product, which is great for us because we get to see their sweat dripping. Like right. we get to see them smile at the end of the class or like get that deep breath of, Woof, that was a good workout. Like those are our joys, but that is also when I feel like most at home. Like where I'm just like this when is you're a, when you're in the process yeah. of things when I'm in, I'm in the final process of it when I get to see everything come alive from working with Adam and Breakaway we um, they have such a great team that it's it's one of the fastest growing music festivals they also have five to six locations this year and put on a number of shows every year and like to see how the production came together talking with like the tour manager who does the stage management and understanding the flow and bringing out an artist where a year ago I'm listening to this artist and I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's awesome. I'm like, phone. And then you fast forward, I'm meeting him. I'm joking around. I'm giving him a dab, giving him a shoulder rub before he goes out. <laughs> like smacking the butt. Good game. Like just making them feel at home because they're meeting so many people too that it's it's just unreal sometimes, and I, it's humbled me because I never got starstruck from athletes at all, and now I don't really get starstruck living in Nashville with musicians. I can see them for who they are, not just what they do, and it it really was like probably in the last two years, year, where I really was like, okay, this is one person. This isn't just like, yeah, I'm think it's awesome what you do and I'm thankful what you do because I literally dance to your music all the time. Like I'm in my room, put my hands up. Like it just changes my vibe a lot. But at the same time, he's away from his family. Like he's still working. So it, it, put, it changed my perspective on everything that people are doing because now it's like I need them to feel at home when they're away because this is like one of the best days of my life like I put in we put in like year for this like we right. do lineup drop we're doing build-ups I'm traveling with them like talking to people uh you want to talk about uncomfortable you can never be uncomfortable working in music because you're gonna have to talk to everyone whether it's a girl who you think might come or a guy you know is coming mm -hmm. everyone matters because you want them to be engaged yeah and no musician's gonna make it without an audience right and if he is he's a songwriter that's awesome so why people why what is it about people that you love because you're one of the the happiest people i've ever known around people and like you just if for for anyone who doesn't know cisco which anyone in that everyone in nashville will you don't have to ever introduce yourself in this town but like but you love people and, and it comes out in your interactions with people. Um, I, I remember the first time I met you, uh, you know, it's, that's the kind of impact you have on people. So why is that important to you? Why, why are people important to you? I think it's growing up, understanding the value of people. So my family, we never like, I thought we were rich, but we were actually very poor. That, and that's because how they treated us, they loved us the right way. They showed us value. They taught us how to be a gentleman or how to be ladylike. At the same time, we were like never in our school district because we were living like in um, outside of what 
we could afford. So my family made it work. Like my parents were divorced and lived in the same house at times so they could make sure like we had a ride or something. But the real value of people came as I got older and I started realizing it wasn't like our family. It was families. It was these friends, these parents that loved us the right way. They loved us as their own. They never said no. So I always thought I was rich because like I ate really good food because my friend's parents would buy it sometimes or they would pick us up for every practice. Like we didn't miss really a beat. And there we had there's five of us and um, there's just parents working and surrounding us with love. I felt like at a young age, it's really what made me value. I, uh, I really don't think we could do it, but I know with numbers, you so can. It's, it's a community. Effect. Yeah, it's definitely a communal issue for love and loving people. And I think if more people felt like they had more support around them, they would value people more than things. I don't love being on my phone. And if I am on my phone, it's usually talking to people or yeah. looking at what they're doing. Yeah. Cause I'm like, Ooh, do I want to be there too? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever get FOMO? Uh, it's funny because there's that. so many places here and there's so yeah. many parties. And like, for instance, like last night you texted me and you were like, I should be, I was supposed to be there, but I, I can only imagine how many, how many places that you, you have in, invites to or whatever. So what happens when you're at one party and there's three others? Gone? Yeah. It's funny you say that. So last year, me and Jamie Spinner, who you've met, we came together and we're like, Hey, there's so many badass people in this town. We need to just like make a company where we can get back to them and we can have them come in and do stuff. And like, we have all these partners that we've worked with, with breakaway with, we worked with like affinity or we, and I've worked with just on my own. I was like, I want to be able to provide them events, um, help with marketing, like, so you're just you're talking about that. Yes. You're talking about a company that, yeah. that promotes someone's idea or business. Yes. Fast forward. We come up with FOMO Entertainment. Now it's... <laughs> really? Yeah. It's, Wait, this is a thing? No way. Thing. It's my background. <laughs> it's, yeah. And so we uh, we came up, we started with Charm Fest. It's our um, March 14th, it was. If you know, March 14th, 2020, that was officially the week that COVID really struck and we started canceling everything. Well, NCAA canceled that Monday. We canceled ours on Friday. We, that was going to be our kickoff launch and it's okay because we shifted everywhere else. But yeah, FOMO is the newest company that I've been okay, in. Okay. So, but so, yeah, I do have FOMO. It's so, not often. <laughs> I had, I lived in Atlanta for a little while. You want to talk about FOMO? It's like, transferring your whole life after you made like a living in Knoxville, a living in Murfreesboro college, and then being like, Hey, I'm going to go pursue modeling. I'm moving to Atlanta. And I know one person, it's my sister. So I, I know finally how it feels to be the new guy. But uh, yeah, I had FOMO every single day because I would watch stories. I deleted my Instagram and Snapchat, I think at that time, my Facebook for a while because I was having so much FOMO and it wasn't because what they were doing, it's who they were with. And that goes back to the loving people. But there was one day where I went and watched Drake's story the first day I got my medias back and all my FOMO went out the door. I was just like... I'm worried about what my friends are doing that we've been doing every weekend, the same thing with the same people. And then I watched Drake 
And I'm like, this man is in Miami. He's on a yacht. He's with beautiful people. They're having a good time. They're smiling. They're like drinking stuff that I probably wouldn't ever buy. (laughs) And I'm like, and I'm worried about this guy taking a shot of this $4 little... In a dive bar in Knoxville. And I'm like, it just put everything in perspective. And I was just like, why am I having FOMO? So yeah, it's... It's pretty much gone for me. So it's just perspective. Yeah, it is. And keeping your vision in front of you. Everyone's like, you're on the go. Like you're doing stuff. Like you have to, when do you recharge? And I, that's when I have FOMO. When I'm, someone's texting me and they're like, hey, I'm sorry, I couldn't make it. I fell asleep on the couch early. I'm thinking we're just going to watch a movie. I have FOMO because I'm like, wow, I, I don't remember the last day. I've been able to just sit down and watch a movie and not have something on my mind. You know, you know who that reminds me of? Natalie Hennessy. She's the same exact way. Cannot, uh, cannot for the life of her ever sit down and watch a movie. Then that's the best compliment you can convey me to. I know how hard that girl works. Yeah, she is amazing. Yeah. Well, you guys are, are the two people I know that that are just go, go, go. And that everyone knows and you just, everywhere you go, there's just a... You just leave everyone happy. Yeah. So, well, kill it. she kills everyone with kindness in the right way. She, As do you. She is amazing. So I want to come back to film line entertainment at some point, but I also want to dive into when you said you went to Atlanta to uh, learn modeling and, and acting, whatever. So what, what, who was your inspiration when you were a kid? And, and what's the end goal for Cisco Carter? Like, where do you see yourself in 20 years from now? Motivation as a kid, I grew up a soccer player. So like I was watching all these soccer players and I was like, I'm gonna be a professional soccer player. Like why not football though? You're like six four, you're you are you not six four? Yeah, six four, two thirty. I, I did end up switching over. Um, but I remember like Ronaldo was the best, like and it wasn't like the Cristiano Ronaldo, it was like the first Ronaldo f- played for Brazil. He was a striker, he could turn and shoot quicker than anyone else, and he he had like goals and everything, but like me as a kid, everyone was looking at all these athletes and my family allowed us to play soccer because it was non-contact. Well, okay. at that time, and we, we just started getting pretty good. My brother was amazing. My sister, she didn't even want to play goalie and she was the best goalie in the state and she was also the best striker. Then my oldest sister was just a force to reckon with. She knew how to use her body, but she also knew how to use her feet. So I have all these people in my house who are the best on every team. My dad started coaching soccer. He started getting his license. So we were just like the soccer family. Like I thought it was so cool. Every year I got to choose my cleats. It's the same cleats David Beckham had. (laughs) it It was just like a kid's dream to grow up watching the sport, which... We didn't have a lot of it on TV, so when I could, I thought it was so cool. We'd go to this place called Soccer Taco. When it first opened, we are like, oh, there's soccer. We'd try to wear jerseys and stuff. And I, I like love talking about it because it's like the childlike innocence comes out. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here smiling, thinking about it. But yeah, that's what I thought I'd do. But time tells all. And we, we cannot... Like, I just, I knew growing up, I was going to play soccer. I was pretty good. I had a lot of friends who were great. Our team won state a couple times. And I just realized that it started changing me. Like, I was feeling like it was almost a job. I was expected to do a lot, which I I was. But I played on other teams. 
And I felt like I was starting to be a hindrance because I have, like I said, my friends' families take me to practices, try to make it to football that I started playing in my eighth grade year. And so now you're playing two different sports. I, yeah, I started in my eighth grade year and I, I would, I was so ignorant to football. I kicked a, um, I was just kicking coming from soccer. I was just kicking out of soccer at a football field. My friend was during it. His family took me from basketball to football practice and then they were going to take me home. And I was just waiting for him and I was bored. So I started kicking the ball more. And then I was like, this is pretty easy. Like, this is y'all's field goal. I can kick it way farther than this. So I go back and I'm at the 30 and I kick it. And they're like, move back five yards, kick it. Move back five yards. And now I'm at the 40 and I kick it. And they're like screaming. They're going off. The coach is running in. And I'm like, it's just 40 yards. And they're like, that's a 50-yard field goal. I was like, no, I'm on the 40. And they're like <laughs> screaming, like, where are your parents? Like, we got to get – and all the everyone's jumping around me. And I'm like, what are you – like, I have no clue. that uh, It's in eighth grade, very difficult to kick it, a 50-yard really? field goal. Yeah. No, not a lot of kids are doing that. And um, it's it's just different. And he took me home. My my coach, the that guy I met, the football coach. I met him like less than a minute before he was driving me home. My friend's parents were okay with it, and I was just like, sure. And he's like, all right, get in my car. He told my parents, he was like, hey, I'll pick him up and take him home every day. He can make it. He'll soccer will always be the first priority. If he's gone for a tournament, that's fine. And sure enough, it goes back with like people loving me the right way. He kept his promise and. People came to our football games. Soccer, no one really came. The only people who came to soccer games are parents, sometimes girlfriends, and a lot of times the people who were playing next. And it was crazy because my first year in football, like everyone's friends and family. Everyone's there. Yeah, they'd come. And then I went to a private school the next year. And we ended up having a really cool community. Like they're very tight-knit. Like they make Friday nights a priority. And we um, we won state. I think they won state like six out of the last eight. Your years. first year playing, they won yeah, state. we won state. Yeah, wow. and second year we got pretty close. Yeah, they were really good. Uh, we had the seniors, but I just came on kicking and I got bored. I'd be at practice, so I started playing other positions, and that's what led me actually into college. I got cut from my team. I was a uh, this was this was crazy. I was like. I thought one of our best players and I was best friends with everyone. I've been on the same team. I recruited people to come play with us. And my coach at that time, he also was really good friends with the UT coaching staff. He went to UT, he donated. He was, um, till this day, one of the best influences of my life. Like I owe a lot to him. Like coach Hines, by far the best person who's ever come into my life. He made me make some choices and he knew that I was a yes man. And he told me he was like, the hardest thing in your life will be learning how to say no. And I was just four, still find 14. Oh man, I can cry about that. Like for real, it gives me chills. I think about this a lot because it also changed like my mental health. Like it changes my body's health. I, I like will say yes so much that I lose who I am because I'm not... 100%. Like I'm staying up, I'm doing it, what it takes. I'm doing other people's jobs, doing right. anything just to make sure everyone was happy. But yeah, he told me that when I was 14. And then we had to call on the voicemail and it missed my number. And I was always like number one. So I knew. And I called him and he was like, 
you won't make this decision, so I'm going to make it for you. I know you've been my son. I know you've been a team captain. I know you've been a team player. This is me telling you that you're not going to be on our team next year because I want you to focus on football. If you feel like that's the wrong choice later down the road, you're always there's always a spot on our team. Wow. I was livid. I was pretty pissed. But at the You same, were how old at this time? I was 14. Yeah, it's like in high school, just trying to figure it out. I knew this know. was your dream, though. Yeah, I was shocked. And I knew towards like that time, I was just things were not going right on the field. I was getting mad at different things. Like, I, I know what's expected from our team, and I know how hard these kids practice. I've watched them run, I've watched them do drills. And I'm like, why are we dribbling out of bounds? Like, you know, the line's always been there. And I'd be cussing out. And, like, they already knew they dribbled out of bounds. Like, I'll just start cussing a little more. I started getting really angry. It's not, like, really who I am. Like, even in football, like, I'll make a tackle and help them up. Like, it's a game. It really is a game. It's a sport. It's through the whistles. Yeah. But what started changing was what happened off the whistle time. So, like, a foul happened one time, a parent... It was, I did an offside trap where we pull everyone up, but a guy got on a breakaway. He and our goalie tripped him up. He got a red card. A parent, everyone knew I called this. Like, I'm very demanding on the field. A parent, like, ran on the field and started, like, pushing me and pointing her finger in my face. And I just, like, had to turn around because all the other parents came and, like, pulled this mom off of me. It, it just got really aggressive. But I know that I just, like, felt like I was losing myself into the sport and I, I know how people love something and I knew like that love was going away I just couldn't break that relationship and he did it for me and then it moved me into football where people were back in the stands I was still learning like I wasn't I didn't I wasn't a know-it-all like I, I till this day I still learn a lot so and, you played the kicker position yeah I played kicker and safety and um I, I excelled I had a lot of potential and that was one thing I like did not want to say is he had a lot of potential but that's probably something that a lot of people would say with my football career I had a lot of potential I reached a lot of it it took me to college it got me some money off of college and I mean it gave me an education and it gave me a family and MTSU's football team was where I spent like most of my days playing and it's uh it's amazing I had a coach our head coach tell my mom he and this guy's heavenly recruited. He took us to like a first 11 game win uh, the year before I came. And he was like, I promise you I'll be here for all four years. And then it was the next like two weeks where Clemson was calling him and stuff. And he stayed. Wow. He stayed and kept his promise. He, the first thing he said when I transferred into there is that he made a promise to all of us. So he'll be here for the next four years if we keep winning. And sure wow. enough. Yeah. He's. Coach stock still, but yeah, it, uh, football paved away. I thought I'm, I'm still the same statues when I played, but I just felt like it was what got me there. I never had the full ambition to play in the next level. I just always had college in my mind. If, if I was like God willing, I would have played more, but would that's you also music why. over football today. If I could sing, oh my God. Yeah. Well, what, me, but I, but, can't, but, I mean, you can DJ. Yeah, I can DJ. That's still music. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, yeah, because it's a lot 
easier on my body. I train till this day probably as hard as I did for football. I, I took like a couple of years off of just relaxing, but yeah, now I'm in. You're always in the gym. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I probably average like two a day. Yeah, you're in the day. gym at nine or ten at night. Yeah, I've already taught a class today, and <laughs> yeah. So where where do you think that Cisco Carter will be in twenty years from now? I hope retired. <laughs> but but um, retired from what? I mean, you do so many things. Yeah, that's the fun part. No, honestly, in twenty years, I really think that I will probably be able to settle down and have a little more to live for, not just me, not just a wife, but also kids. But in the entertainment, I don't know if this is something I can do forever. Uh, I do know it's like demanding. I know it's also networking based mm-hmm. a lot. And now we have, we have so many ways of marketing, but we can't just settle on online marketing. And I feel like that's what a lot of companies are. They just think it's, hey, let's put it out to the world. Mm-hmm. But we're in a stage where now we base it up not only on online marketing, influencer marketing, and we move things still to this like invite. Like if I text someone, invite them versus expecting them to come from seeing a story or an ad, way different, way different engagement. Sometimes I feel like we forget about that. And so I don't know if I could do that for 20 years of really engaging because I just feel like the more... If you had a family and kids, that would be taking time. Yeah, it'll take time away from that. So I guess I would still be looking for my next step. But obviously you want to build something that someone else can run for you. Yeah. And I would love that, but it's it might take this whole 20 years so. <laughs> to build. Well, so FOMO Entertainment, is that something that somebody could... Um, well, let's just use the ultimate shift for, uh, for as an example. I talked, me and you have discussed this a little bit, but wanting to, I want to bring the ultimate shift team, family, if you will, uh, what I call people together, everyone that we've had on the show and do an event. Is that something that someone could go to and hire FOMO Entertainment to basically plan, you know, from DJing to the setup to possibly even the venue? Is that what that's going to become? Is that the goal for it? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, so we've worked with some grand openings, um, uh, charities. That's like a huge thing. We always want music and we always want to donate, whether it's $10, $10,000. I okay. just think it's an awesome way once people are together. And it, there's way different ways to like $1 from a ticket that the people don't even know they're it's contributing to a charity mm-hmm. unless they read. Right. They don't know that like we're giving $1 away that we can make, but at the same time, it's, it still goes back to like the fear of missing out on opportunities for certain people. And we can't gauge all these companies that have the same amount of money, especially after the year Nashville's had. Right. And so we, we just look at it as opportunity to give and get people together. Um, but it is anything you can think of. We will put it together. That's awesome. So if somebody was coming to Nashville, there's a lot of people that moved to Nashville. You you started at the bottom, worked your way up networking. What's your advice to someone, uh, maybe an artist, musician, uh, anymore? It can be actors. A lot of people from L.A. are coming here and they want to get in the scene. You know, this post-COVID or still in the COVID era, it's a lot harder to network. What is your advice to that? that person i 
probably have about 15 texts like this in the last week if you really? want to read one of the responses. Yeah, it really depends on their industry. Um, it really just depends on their goals, too. If I'm coming here and I want to meet more in my industry, I'm going to have to place myself in a better position to meet those people, whether it's for me going to some writers rounds, because those aren't just the writers. There's people who they wrote with. There's also more of that following there, too. So there's other artists. There's also people who are fans of them. Right. There's support. And then there's people just having a good time. But I think if you know what you're doing, it's very important to ask what someone else does. I don't do this at all because I don't really know what I do. So it's a long <laughs> rabbit hole. Like, I don't know which route. A little bit of everything. Yeah. I'm like, what? which route do you want to go? If you have another 20 minutes, I can tell you. But <laughs> the first thing is letting people know what you do. And the easiest way is caring enough to find out what someone else does. So if I asked you, what do you do? And then you tell me, you know, like, it's just a conversation. Yeah. Now you ask me in return what I do, and it gives me a chance to offer insight or it gives me a chance to ask for another hangout or another ride or we should get together. Or what's your Instagram or what's your Facebook? And I think now we live in a time where like people are just afraid to like add followers and stuff. And I'm like, follow everyone, like everything, make yourself so relevant that that person knows you exist and that's that's the most important thing is using your time wisely and picking where to go if you really that's your intention um with djing i've had people ask and i'm like hey you need to go to rebar on a tuesday they have overcap there's all the djs hang out there because we're all friends and if you want to ask to learn with them. Like, I know you might think you're a great DJ, but like if someone's doing something and they're not going to be like, Hey, this is the right way. This is how I do it. They'll suggest yeah. how they do it. But the way it's a cosign. So if you want to get booked, a lot of times it's our DJs feeling like, Hey, I'm not going to be in town this time, but you can reach out to him. And I, I book a lot of DJs too. So they'll ask and I'm like, I don't know. Can you send me a mix? So another way is like people having a resume, a background, a quick sheet or something I can hear or something I can see. But it's how fast can that get to me? Like when I'm a nurse and I want nurse friends, the best place is going to be at the hospital. You're going to meet them. Yeah. But the best way to really be their friend is invite them to happy hour or Outside of the world outside, scene. Yeah, outside of the scene so they can be themselves. Because it's not just getting to work with them. Mm-hmm. It's getting to know them, too. If yeah. you want long sustainability rights. And I, I use that because Nashville is so strong with our music culture. But it, a lot of it's like, hey, we can write a hit, but we can have fun doing it. Yeah. And if it's just straight book, I mean, they're going to come for that and only that. Awesome. Oh, you mentioned you touched a little bit on on social media, following people and, and not following whatever. What is your take on the you know the world we live in? For me, uh, just this last last week with all the political stuff, uh, I've caught myself whenever I'd go on social media just feeling anxious. So I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I don't I, I don't have time for this. So I cut my social media down to five minutes a day. I put a block on all my social media. Five minutes a day, I'm done. How do you handle that? And, and what do you think is, is a healthy balance in this 
social media world we live in, especially you as an influencer, you're having to spend time on. So how do you, uh, I have mad respect for people like you, who, who you're living to some extent is from your social media, but how do you stay sane? That's the easiest thing is unfollowing everything you don't want to see. Your algorithms will change what you like changes. I straight up, this is as honest as it gets. I remember going through a breakup and I just unfollowed every single hot girl. I didn't know every beautiful wow. girl who came up. I just would unfollow them and I'll see these girls pop up on my friends, like, or they'd send them. And, and I was like, dang, I haven't seen what she's been doing in years because I just unfollowed everyone. I didn't know everything that I felt was like a lust. I needed it out the door. Everything that was like something that compared to what I was going through at that time, I needed it out the door. I was out of sight, out of mind. But it also made it very healthy. Like if I went down my feet, a lot of it might be football because the playoffs are going on. And a lot of it's going to be food because that's what makes me happy. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, So you create a happy algorithm. Yeah, I had to. And I follow everyone I meet if I have intention of seeing them again. Wow. And if I don't, like, I don't know if I would follow, like, and I see it and a year goes by, I won't just unfollow them. But we're, we're not like limited to anything, but I do like that you cut your hours down to minutes. Mm-hmm. Now I couldn't do that. Like I have to, like I have to have, and I don't watch TV. So like sometimes 10 minutes of scrolling is my TV for the whole day. Yeah. Like I get a little news, not a lot, but I stay pretty sane. I don't. I choose when I see stuff because I had a meeting with Jamie this week. We were planning stuff for FOMO and I started actually crying, talking about like how the White House is so important to me. And it's like I remember going there with like my uncle and my mom and how cool it was. And the fact that like I saw like people like even being able to invade it and like you we all know what was going on, but like almost brought me to tears. Like I was seriously like had to like stop talking and reset, but that was probably the only time I really thought about it because I've been on the go so much. And I, if I felt overwhelmed, I like turned to scripture and it's cool because it's all like on our phone. Mm-hmm. So I can just flip to the next app. Yeah. Just switch the app. If, if I feel overwhelmed, I need something that's going to feed me something we're, we're at the beginning of January, so it's been really nice because I can reset and focus on my goals that I did in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I I, I um, went on a pop. I think it was a blog post, but I read like two different blogs and it really I took questions from all of it and really sat down and like had to reevaluate how I want this year to go. Do I want to focus on the negative or do I want to seek and positive? And I said a word for the year. This year, it was for Overcome. And living in Nashville, we just had a bomb go off pretty recently, which we got a little impacted from, but not too much. Right. I know our roads were closed. and But the businesses did get very impacted. And we had the tornado rip through less than nine, not about nine months, 10 months ago. And, that, and then we got hit with COVID, which obviously shocked the whole world. But where it hit us hard with yeah, the music industry. And, and where music and our bar scene and the hospitality 
and traveling. Like we, we have so much revenue come from all these people traveling, but it's not the best time for everyone to travel right now, especially here. And then safety and just even knowing we can have a new year's, which we're on a curfew now, but it it's hit up our markets in a lot of ways. And so these restaurants don't have this influx of people. These hospitality hotels don't have the influx of people. And it's not just only affecting them, but like when less people are here, less artists are booked. So they're getting impacted and it's, it's a slippery slope. And we're starting to see how the economy works all the way around. I have a lot of friends who have Airbnbs and this is like the slowest month, Mm -hmm. but when is January not, you know? Right. Right. Um, well, we're coming up on time, but uh, three more questions. Is is there any um, chance we're going to see a Cisco Carter in the political world? Ooh. So I worked with the governor as he was in his mayor campaign. I really thought I was going to do it. I uh, I get poached every once in a while. I've started. I, I don't know, though. I would want to, but I really feel like I might be able to love people the right way. Not outside of political that. party, yeah. But but in the same time, in the same sense, we we I feel like we need. I feel like it's time to gut our entire political system and start over with people that are willing to be transparent and honest and work for those relationships and that community effort that you've talked so much about today. So whenever you you get there, if you ever get there, you know, let me know. We'll start raising money. I will be on a board very soon. And I'll start with that. But I, I honestly think I'm going to focus on education when I do push Which is into also something important. Yeah, I think um, it's it's very important distributing the education where everyone's able to get the best education. Mm-hmm. And Give even if it's yeah, and even if it's not at the best place, it doesn't mean the teachers need to switch. Like they need to have all the tools and resources that they can do their job. I don't want them feeling depleted from the faculty, the staff, and their resources. I'd rather them feel depleted from the children because that's what they're there for. Like, that's where their energy should be getting taken from, not from the other staff that's going through the same thing. And, And those kids, like, they do need to channel their energy differently. And when some teacher doesn't have the time or the resources to listen because so much can happen. Whether you're rich or poor, the home life is never what we think. Yeah. Like, I'm just yeah. going to say, like, I, I now know a lot more talking with my best friend's parents now that I'm old enough of what they were going through. And I thought we were just having a blast. Like, yeah. I, we never know. And I, I didn't like, we have parents who are going through marriage counts and we have parents who are a parent. And that's it. Like they don't. So a lot of these kids have to come to school and they have to be present and they have to be aware. And one thing I know is like the older I got, I realized if you don't have um, if you don't have food, you don't have drinks and you don't have shelter. Well, you cannot be your best because you're thinking about that. That's fight or fight. That's mm-hmm. above our heads. Like that's right. always going to be. And I went to school and we had like reduced lunch. Like I had free and reduced lunch most of the years, but I also ate, like I was able to eat. Mm -hmm. And so getting them and like right now it's online school and stuff, but like some of these kids can't eat when they're at home. So getting them the right resources and taking it, not only just, 
from the education standpoint, but all throughout the school and what they can offer. I just think it needs to be distributed a little more where our money goes and giving them an opportunity to have a higher salary would be amazing too for every teacher because we always say like these are future leaders of our world but the people who are leading them also need to eat amen that's that's a great start well the last two questions you kind of have a cheat sheet on because you know what they are yeah i might but, listen to a couple but, podcasts <laughs> but let's say uh you know, you're given five minutes the world stage this you know this is it's your what do you think the world needs to hear uh you know how would you want to go out how what when people think of Cisco Carter, like what, what is something you would want them to know about themselves? Self-worth and self-love. I think, um, and there's going to be girls who could say different for me because I, I've just been a guy. And, um, I we felt, all have that. Yeah, but with that being said, I think that they all could agree and so can I that like we've looked each other and we've felt more than a connection with every single person we come into the room there's when we walk in the room any room we're ourselves like we have to be ourselves but being comfortable with being ourselves is one of the could be the hardest thing for certain people and it's understanding what we have to live for like our value and it's loving ourselves first. And fit, like someone wants to lose weight, they don't feel like they're confident enough. Well, like we're the only ones who have the ability. But if we don't look at like, I have to lose 10 pounds and look at how am I going to lose these 10 pounds and start loving that process of one pound at a time. Or like the fact that I might not have lost any weight, but my face might look smaller or like a little thinner. Like, that's an accomplishment. That's something we should be happy for. And pounds are, I just use that as an analogy, but also it's like with business, like when we hit these landmarks or landmarks, that process, we should be in love with it. Like, we should know that we're working to something. We also should know we're worthy of that goal. But a lot of people think differently, and I do too, a lot of the times. And it's just being more consistent and pouring into ourselves a little more. I don't think anyone should ever say that I shouldn't take myself to dinner because sometimes like we need that experience with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to treat ourselves and we are deserving. We're deserving of stuff that's not even apparent on this planet. Like uh, we right. have a love so great that like, I just feel like my faith has been something that has taught me how to love myself. And like, you know, you can make a bad decision, but it doesn't mean you're a bad person. And knowing that, like, the quickness of a prayer, I can feel redeemed and, like, free. And it's it's just knowing our self-love and our self-worth and being comfortable with it. Do you feel like most people avoid the process? They avoid the, the journey between the now and the end goal? Most people want to avoid the process. I don't think anyone can. It's, yeah. uh, you want to go to a destination? How are you? But sometimes there? that's what keeps them stuck in the mm-hmm. beginning stage is avoiding the, the journey. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the quickest way is if you want to go to a destination, how are you going to get there? You have options now. Mm-hmm. Do I want to fly? Do I want to drive? Do I need a boat? I love that. Now, all you just have to book it or set it or set the budget. Now it's how quick or when do I want to leave? Cause you've already chose that first option. And then you set the time of when you're going 
and you're off. Like yeah. you have to, you have to have steps in place and you have to know where you're going to get to that destination. But yeah, the first is buying the plane ticket or putting your foot on the gas and starting to go. But yeah, I think we all get stuck. Uh, if I showed you my laundry right now, I've been stuck for months, <laughs> but it's, it's, it'll probably take me like 20, 30 minutes, but yeah, it's, just, it's, it's starting everything. And I think once we start, we need to keep the momentum because I, f- I feel like finishing is just as strong. Like when we have that destination, we need to get there. Like we yeah. really do. It's very important to see what we've worked for. Amen. Okay, you know what the last question is. Uh, if you could ask any one person on Aubrey Dead any one question, who would it be and what would the question be? Yeah, so Adam Lynn actually had the exact same one, and I was like, ooh. But I was, <laughs> it's so important to who me. Who did he have? I don't remember. It was Avicii. Okay. So Tim Bergland, he went by Tim Berg, and this was right when I got into electronic music. I heard this guy, and I was like, oh, he's awesome. This song is awesome. It's called Seek Bromance. It's by Tim Berg. But I love this song. And me and my friends, we went on spring break, Panama City. We're blasting it. It was our theme song. We put it on still to this day. And, like, everyone looks around, looks at each other. (laughs) And our hands go up. And we're, like, jumping around looking like doofuses. But it's so much fun because it's tied back to that memory. Mm -hmm. And so Tim Berg went on to become Avicii. And Avicii is one of the most talented electronic or just artists in general. He's a producer. He's into everything is so detailed in his whole life, but he struggled with a lot of health and just staying mentally sane. And so he ended up like taking his life, but his sanity, I felt like his life was so much more because he put so much into these songs where now I just told you, like, I know you started smiling because I was smiling so big talking about it. And so for Vici, and I, I have it tattooed. This is his mark. It's an AV. And it, this was wow. before, like, he was still alive. Um, this man wrote these songs that changed my life. And it, and like that tied back to that Panama movie. But then he had a song called Wake Me Up. And it's like, Wake Me Up when it's all over. Yeah. And that song for me, it was about finding where you fit in. And in the music video, everyone has these tattoos and this girl's in a town. And it honestly, like, sorry, it honestly kind of looks like an Amish community. And then they go into a city and then they meet this guy and he brings them into a party, has a festival going, everyone's dancing, hands are up, they're smiling, she's looking around and everyone has the same tattoo. And this is the most alive she's felt. But the song, to me, I was like, you know, this is the most alive I've ever felt mm-hmm. is from this man and him putting his heart and soul on this music. But he, he definitely had a big impact through his music for me. And now he has a Netflix documentary. Um, you can see how treacherous, like his touring life. He tried to say no. People would say yes. He was on the road. He couldn't take enough time for his like What's self to heal. I really don't know. I think it's just Avicii. I have to look it up. Yeah. So your Netflix. your question is is why why take the life? Why meet him? No. What it, what is oh. your, is like why why would he take his life? Is that what you would? Want yeah, to? I would. I honestly not ask why he took his life. I'd ask why he couldn't say no and just walk away. Oh, because that hits home for you. Yeah, and and I just I wish more people were able to say no for their mental health 
and he wanted to, but he wasn't able to. And I feel like if he was surrounded by the same type of people that I had, such as my soccer coach, Coach Hines, who stepped in and said no to me, you're going to pursue this, which I wish someone had been like, no, Avicii, Tim, yeah, you're going to pursue happiness the right way. And they tried, but like, if someone really was like, I want you to come live with me on this island and just learn how to love yourself the right way. Almost that forceful way of like what happened to you is saying, look, I'm making this decision for you. So maybe someone in the management area that was close to him Mm -hmm. or something like that. Not to put blame on anyone, but like just. Yeah, no blame taken, but the value of yourself, money can't buy. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that just is the importance of, of having that inner circle, those friends that like your coach in that instance, you know, to say, Hey, Cisco or Hey, Ephraim, you know, you need to take your, you need to take a break. You need to take a time. You need to, and, and I think that's important to, to know your friends in a way that you can be that person that says, Hey, look, you know, you're burning yourself out say no to this whatever yeah and I've, I've had people do it recently to me and i'm like i'm still in my quarantine covered area like I'm, <laughs> I'm relaxed i'm sleeping like eight hours a night for the first time in my life and i'm like i used to do this until like three in the morning where now i'm like full rested and it's it's just so nice for me to have a curfew i've never thought i would like it but wow that's awesome well, man, I want to acknowledge you. You, you have, uh, you've made a, a huge, huge, I don't say this like impact to my life. Um, I, I'm, you know, grateful beyond words for what you do for me. I know there's a lot of other people that feel the same way. You've touched hundreds and thousands of lives in Nashville. You go out of your way to make someone feel special. You go out of your way to help people. You're completely genuine and authentic in everything you do. And I, you know, I think, I think you're, you're, uh, you're the ultimate dude. You're, you're what everyone aspires to be. And it, uh, so I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Well, thank you. It all starts with the helping hand and the loving someone the right way. And so I think that's something we all can do and just literally leave them with a smile. Yeah. Well, you do that well. So how can our listeners find you, support you, follow you, keep up with what, you know, what you're doing? Yeah, I um I go to Instagram mostly. It's Cisco underscore Carter, C I S C O underscore Carter. It's uh you can see everything. I I post quite a bit of stories. So if it's not one thing, it's probably the other. One day it might be spin. One day it might be me DJing. Next thing it might be going out of town. The next thing it could be just a meeting or a mentor session. So it really changes. But I'm sure. I enjoy what I do. I hope you all do too. And if not, you can always unfollow me. <laughs> and by the way, for anyone that, that talks to uh, the Ultimate Shift Instagram, you're actually talking to Cisco. So <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for today. So we are out. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up but there's so many things that come up in between and my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal you can follow me on instagram at ephraim glick facebook at ephraim glick twitter at glick ephraim or you can go to the website at ephraim 
www.thinkingdeep.com. See you next time.